coming to you from <laughs> from my from my bathroom yet again, to be honest with you. Um, I can't remember what I told you in the last podcast, but basically um, the roof is being replaced on the apartment that I'm in and uh, the apartment is in the loft. So basically I have no roof and today is the hottest day, I think on record in the UK. So effectively I've just been sitting in an oven uh, for the last well, weeks now. But anyway, how are you doing? I hope I hope you're okay. Thank you to everyone who contacted me after last week's um, podcast. I've had so many interesting conversations with so many people in this last in this last seven days about it. It's been really wonderful. Um, it means a lot. So thank you, and let's go on with this week's podcast then. So. This week's podcast is called You Were Not Born This Way and the reason for that is, well, you just were not, you know. We get told a lot of things about who we are and uh, where we are in society and what that means for us as people. Um, and we just, you know, for the most part, we just, we, we just accept that, don't we? Um, because, well... <sighs> we are what other people think we are, generally speaking. My perception of me or the general perception that a person has of themselves is not a direct reaction to experiencing their own self. It tends to be what they think other people think about them. They project, they mirror that back onto themselves and from there think this must be who I am because this is what I think that they think that I am. Now, how fucked up is that? But that is reality and that is how nearly all people in the world tend to live, save for the enlightened and the people that are blessed to be sociopaths and psychopaths, etc. and don't have to tar themselves with that same brush. Um, we become generally what we allow ourselves to become as a result of that and um, we become what we think others think we should be allowed to be. We limit ourselves from a very young age and that's understandable. It's understandable if you relate to that. It's totally understandable because in a previous life when I worked in the education sector, which I did for a decade, um, one of my priorities over and above, you know, teaching was to try and improve circumstances for the people that were in the worst economic and socio social situations in in the UK uh, and what that really meant was going into the into the psychology of what a child has experienced before they arrive in before they arrived in my classroom and then latterly in my you know in the school that, that I helped to run um, and one of the things that you realized I realized very early on early on was Children need very small amount of things to be able to succeed. They need really basic things. You know, they need security. They need somebody to look after their health. They need um, food and they need consistency. And, and they need all of these things. And then, you know, at the top of it, they need love. And on top of this, then they can self-actualize. You know, they can, they can, if they were a flower, that would, you know, if they were a flower, that would be when the bud would open and we would see the bloom. You know, they need all of these things, but actually all of these things are quite a small amount in comparison 
to what we then become as adults and how we then uh, treat ourselves as adults uh, and, what, and what we need. Um, and so what that really means is that by the time a child comes into a classroom, they've already learnt a lot of things that are incorrect about who they are because they have picked up on the cues from all the people around them that, that they then perceive to be evidence of who they must be. And what you do then is you go through your life reaffirming this. I don't need to tell you this because I know that as you're listening to this, you may be just hearing it out loud for the first time in your life or you may have heard similar things, but you'll be hearing this and you'll be nodding along and going, yes, because maybe nobody's ever actually said it to you before, but you do know it's true. You have been told so many things throughout your childhood that have resulted in you internalising and reproducing and owning those things as part of what you then call your personality. Now one of the most interesting things that I learned about in, in my time in education and I continue, continue to study out after was that um, was, sorry, was that intelligence is in fact malleable. And what that really means is we have a very uh, strict perception of what it means for a child to be academically gifted and for an adult actually to be, you know, where an adult can, can get to in their life in terms of what they're capable of achieving um, with, their, with, with their own abilities. However, there are studies, and it's beyond studies now, it's into the realms of, you know, accepted that within psycholo psych psychological um, circles and, and broadly in the education set, it is accepted <laughs> that education is malleable. And this came from a book and studies done by a professor called Carol Dweck. And what she did was over a long time, she did a lot of studies on many different people through different age groups and, and actually evidenced that this idea that we have of, you know, you have an IQ and that is you and, you know, we can then draw lines through graphs to say what you'll achieve in your life depending on where you were born and how you were brought up, etc. It's just not true. It is just not true. You know, a person who leaves high school with very bad uh, results in their exams that then goes on to you know become a drug dealer or abuser or a prostitute or anything that you can think of that's not you know we typically think is not good for a person that does not mean that that person can then not decide I am going to get out of this I am going to challenge myself to go to, I don't know, university and become a doctor or a lawyer. Psychologically, they may not feel that, that you know, the barriers are just so high they can't do it, but it does not mean they cannot do it. What's stopping them doing it? Well, we'll come back to that. If we look at my odds, you know, I was born to a single mother. I was, I mean, it sounds dramatic, but abandoned, you know, b before birth by my father. He had nothing to do with me. You know, my mum got pregnant and he was, you know, out. You know, we had, <laughs> we had a joke that when my dad came home, mum didn't, <laughs> didn't look at her watch. She looked at the calendar. 
<laughs> he was gone, you know, for quite a long time at the beginning and he darted in and out very, very um, sporadically a couple of times and then, you know, pissed off when I was whenever, I don't know, six or something. Um, but I was brought up on a council estate largely. My mother was on benefits for most of my childhood. I was, you know, at the time didn't realise it, but was gay, which adds to the, um, adds to all the, um, well, all of the difficulty really that, that a child with, 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 with my profile could go through. I was a sort of upper ability child. Now, when you put all of these, all of these things together, there, there are all of these uh, studies and specifically there, there are charitable trusts and charities in the UK that work specifically with schools to say the profile of this child, my profile when I was a child, is that they will, you know, they should get this type of exam result, they should achieve this, this and this. However, given that they were single parent on, you know, on benefits, their postcode was an undesirable one, you know, I mean, LGBTQI plus didn't exist back then. There was no, you know, the kid's gay, so this might affect them. There was none of that. But, you know, evidently we, we look back and we know that, yes, that, that would be something that would affect. My odds were that I should never have left my village, really. Um, well, can you even call it a village? But um, I shouldn't have, you know, I should have gotten a job locally. I should have, you know, just cracked on with it. I shouldn't have gone to university. I mean, we couldn't even afford to. It's because my family helped out. But I had my moment, and I clearly remember it, when I was 16, standing in the kitchen of my house, and I said to my mother, I'm not going to go to university. And my mum was in the kitchen, sat on the stool, having a fag. And she looked at me and said, all right, okay, so what are you going to do? I said, oh, well, I've got a job in the chip shop, which I'd started when I was, you know, 13 or something, highly illegal. I said, I'm just going to work there and become a manager of the chippy. And I'm going to work in the chip shop. And she said, right, okay. And I stormed up the stairs and I thought, I cannot believe all my mother wants for me. Is to work in a chippy for the rest of my fucking life. And I remember at that moment thinking, I had really been pissing my education up against the wall. I'd been not going into school. I had been, you know, not submitting assignments. I had really, really, I'd fucked things up. And I remember at that moment thinking, no matter how badly I am doing, and no matter how, I, how much, how far behind, and how difficult this all is, come hell or high water, I am going to learn how to do this. And I did. I made it through high school. I completed. I, I had to drop the amount of subjects I was doing in the first year of, in England, it would be, you know, your, your A-levels. In Scotland, it was your hires. I had to drop the amount of subjects I was doing that year because my mental health was in such a state. And then I had to double up the following year. So the following year, I was doing twice the amount of subjects anybody else was to catch up. But I did it. I had to get tutors, I had to ask for other kids to help me because it wasn't as switched on as I should have been um, and I dragged myself through that, I got to university, I did university, I ended up with a master's, I left there, I went from Glasgow University down to Manchester, I did a postgrad there, I got into education, I spent 10 years working the way up in education. Uh, education. And then basically, you know, at the 11th hour when I was about to take on a head, you know, 
I was years away, a, a year away from a headship role, which would have really led me into sort of um, a really serious next level of, of, of what I was doing as a career. That is the point at which I had this epiphany and just thought, hang on a minute, you know, the drive that I had been feeling to to get out of the, the bit that I was in to prove that I was not born, you know, the, the what I'd be, the life I had was not going to just be done to me in in the in the twist of doing that I realized in fact I, I was life was being done to me again <laughs> and um, and that was because I was although I'd gone to university and done these things I was actually just um I was on a career path at this stage that I, I, I hadn't necessarily uh, decided. And I wonder if you can relate to that. That that moment where you just look around you and go, okay, money's coming in and money's going out and, you know, houses are being bought and houses are being sold and, you know, moving up the ladder, find a partner, you know, consolidate, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, but uh, you know, that point at which you kind of go, am, am I choosing this? Am I choosing this? Or is this now just being done to me? Um, you know, are, 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 are you just part of all of this being an ever, and, and all of this is just, you know, is on top of you and you're under it. It takes a really conscious step to, to, to walk away, to, to move back from that and, and see it for what it is. And, and that happened to me absolutely in 2015. I had taken on this role, well, I'd accepted a role, you know, for this deputy headship under the proviso that in a year they would promote me to a headship, etc, etc. And um, I just, I was, I, I was lying in bed and I just thought, no, no. And for me, it wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't a... Um, uh, a mindfulness thing it wasn't I can't tell you there was a book I read I can't tell you that there was somebody that said something I wasn't sort of touched by the magic of you know the spiritual healer or anything like that it was just a voice a very clear loud decisive determined voice in my head said no and I had to listen to it. It felt compelling. It felt like I had no option. Um, and then I started a whole new journey, which was my real journey, which took me from 2015 to, till today, when I, you know, realised, well, I have to make this, I have to make this work now. We'd just taken on this house that was, you know, that was hundreds of thousands, the, the mortgage on it, and it was totally a wreck. It needed completely renovating. I knew that I had to make this work and I knew that I would make it work because I was once again determined that I was not going to let life win. I was going to be in control now. I was not going to, you know, focus on being that, you know, working class, child single parent benefits that you know that, that didn't make it out of the town but I also wasn't going to be the one that proved that I could get out of the town because that's another trap I was going to learn to be me and I'm seven years down that trap track now um I know a lot more 
than I did seven years ago. I probably have learned more in this last two years, I would say, than uh, I, I knew in the other, you know, 38 years of my life, I think. We're at a stage now where, um, I'm at a stage now in my life where I um, focused as completely as I can be on presence, on being aware of the fact that intelligence is malleable, that I am capable of whatever it is that I want to, to do, and that there is no such word as no, you know, don't ever listen to anyone saying no to you, unless it's a rape thing, in which case, clearly, uh, stop. <laughs> but in work, in life, the people will put boundaries there for you constantly, and they will try to minimise you as a person and they will try to minimise your possibilities because they are fearful for what that will mean of for them. They're fearful for what that will take away from them. And your job isn't to try and point that out to them or, or fix them. It's to, it's, to, it's to be mindful of it. It's to hear that. It's to recognise it. It's to hold a mirror up to it and say, this is what is coming at me from this direction. And that's okay because I know that that isn't a reflection of me and that isn't something I need to internalise and then make my decisions based on. It's not about that. It's not about what is done to you. It's about being present within yourself. It's about breathing and focusing and feeling your body and being in the moment and pausing and going slower with everything and thinking, what direction am I walking in and what direction do I want to be walking in? Take a step back from things, just take a step back and just think, you know, no matter what has happened in your life, it all comes down to now, it comes down to this minute, it comes down to what is happening in this instant. The, the last 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, whatever it is, it's irrelevant because it's no longer present, it's not here anymore, it's a story in your head, this moment is what you have and the, the road you're walking down just now the direction that you're going in that's the question are you walking in this instant right now in the right direction and if you aren't what's the direction you want to go in and if you really really don't know then that's totally okay and you are not alone it is just about recognizing the way you're going and and saying, is this the way I want to go? And if it isn't, just recognise it because there is such power even in that. Well, I'm gonna wrap it up with that today. I hope that, you know, you can take something away from this and it'll give you something to think about. If you can, um, I love five-star reviews. I really love that. And subscribe please we had i had loads more subscribers last week and it was just so wonderful and the people that would message me and say i'm so, i've subscribed and be like hey well done you thank you so much anyway take care and i hope to speak to you again next week bye <laughs>